This is No Stop Lights with Ken Ard. Welcome to another edition of No Stop Lights. I want to thank our sponsors, Mickey Fins, Marlboro PD Electric, Schofields, Carolina Bank, Pepsi of Florence. Uh, we may do a couple of segments today. Uh, they'll be a, be, uh, a bit abbreviated. I, I want to go to a, um, it, it's hard to believe that we're talking about LGBTQ and Bud Light in, in the same, in the same sentence and characterization. But, but a story broke last week, um, that, that kind of blew up in the, um, in the cultural economic, uh, world. And, and that would be, um, Dylan Mulvaney, a, a social media influencer, not a member of the media, mind you. Um, I'm a podcaster and a radio show host. I guess to some degree, Reb, I would be a um, an influencer. Uh, nowhere near to the st- uh, the status of a uh, a Dylan Mulvaney, but but you know an, an influencer um, nonetheless. I think we finally figured out where we land, and that is uh, in we're we're in the business of influencing intentionally or or unintentionally influencing. We're influencing um, nonetheless. But but I want to go back to a bit we did on our radio show, Wake Up Carolina. When we, um, when we basically said that the marketplace will adjust accordingly, depending on what the, the sentiment of the consumer and the, the mindset of the, those who promote and, and, and distribute the product. And, you know, we, we were a bit, um, we, we allowed a conversation to take place that led down the road of many, many of our, our listeners and callers being frustrated with, uh, Anheuser-Busch in Bev would be the parent company of Anheuser-Busch to the point of, uh, of, of not drinking their beer anymore. I'll find another beer. I'll drink, uh, Coors. I'll drink Miller. I'll drink some craft or, or, um, or a microbrewery product, but I'm not drinking Bud Light anymore. And I said, pump the brakes for just a second and let, let's, let's back up. I have step and, and figure out how we got, you know, to, to the point of where we are. If you're in the beer business, and Kid Rock is shooting your product with guns, and country music singers are saying thank you, but no thank you to that product being in their hospitality, uh, in their hospitality tents or, or uh, you know, before the concerts they have these rooms set aside. I would imagine backstage passes, VIPs, and the like. Travis Tritt comes to mind as one of the country music stars who said thanks, but no thanks to Anheuser Busch and their products. But the story's much deeper than that. Um, leave it to me with a busy head syndrome to try and go down the road of connecting dot A to dot B, no matter how far um, separated those two, those two dots are. And I want to kind of travel the road. I mean, it is, I mean, Bud Light is our, is our Archie Bunker. Bud Light is our, is our Jerry Seinfeld. Bud Light is the can. I mean, this is a, um, this is a Pepsi product, Starry Zero Sugar. I mean, uh, imagine this is Bud Light. There's Jerry Seinfeld. There's Archie Bunker. There's a central character of the sitcom that we're going to try to discuss um, a little bit less culturally and, and more politically, but, but culture politics um, follow politics is downstream of culture. If American culture begins to change uh, and I think regress or digress uh, politics will soon follow suit. So why did a beer manufacturer like Bud Light, and, and when you think of beer, you think of Bud Light, you think of, I mean, I do. I can't say what you think of, but I think of NASCAR. I think of Major League Sports. I think of college athletics. I think of uh, I think of country music festivals. I think of uh, a day at the beach. I think good old boys on a boat, you know, um, 
tying their boats together and drifting and, and skiing and water and, and summertime. And I mean, it, it, I, I think everything, but, but LGBTQ, I mean, when I'm sorry, when I think Dylan Mulvaney, I don't think Bud Light, I, I, I don't have much judgment about me. Uh, I'm a, a kind of a Jeffersonian libertarian live and let live would be my, um, my primary modus operandi. But, but I think when you look at the uproar that this is called in the marketplace, it, it is, it's not as simple as someone um, taking a job at Anheuser-Busch in charge of remarketing, rebranding Bud Light, and out of that comes a, a strategic decision about where to go from here. I actually went back and read um, an interview by the, the, the chief marketer of Bud Light. She says the brand was, um, not, she didn't say antiquated and outdated, but she said it's fratty, it's, um, its sales are in decline, and it needed rejuvenating. It needed kind of a fresh face. It needed something exciting to happen to the brand. And she felt that it was um, more inviting, more inclusive to, um, to, to, to stop thinking specifically about NASCAR and, and auto racing and country music and, and college athletics or professional sports team in her infinite wisdom. And she may be the, the, the most savvy business lady on the planet. I think she's made a mistake, and I think the um, the hierarchy at Budweiser will address accordingly. But but it's not just, once again, it's not just a can of beer. This is not a can of beer. Imagine it being that can of beer. This is much deeper than that. And this is about HRC. And I'm not talking about Hillary Rodham Clinton. This is about um, the human rights campaign agenda. Um, that, that is the, the, the most prominent LGBTQ advocacy group in all of America. This is about Corporate Equality Index, um, CEI, the, um, the acronym in place there. And this is about, you know, a woke rating for businesses that, that aspire to be well-regarded, well-respected in the world. Um, I don't know, uh, companies who are considered to be um, ahead of the curve in some of these matters. When you look at, I'm reading an article here, I'll give the New York Post credit. Um, this is a... Um, this is quoted from the um, the HRC's website, and that would be the um, the advocacy group Human Rights Campaign, where they introduced their 100-point corporate equ- uh, equality index to score companies on their you ready their inclusiveness. Now we're talking about beer. We're, we're talking about Bud Light beer, one of the iconic brands from one of the iconic uh, you know distributorships or manufacturers of beer um, in the world. So when you look at um, what I think is the motivator, and and I'll get to BlackRock in a second, and I'll get to you know 400,000 shares of Anheuser-Busch that BlackRock owns, uh, I think it's $17 million worth or somewhere thereabout. But when you look at the woke rating, and you're talking about, and, and this is much deeper, guys. This really goes back to a couple, of, um, a couple of podcasts ago, we did one on the cathedral. And that is this monolith, th- th- this, th- this glacial monolith that moves almost all as one, it's academia, it's, it's the liberal media, it's journalism in general, it's corporate America, it's the body politic. It's not winking and nodding any longer. They don't have to. They don't have to share emails with one with another. Um, hey, let's make sure that we talk about inclusiveness. It, it is a mindset of those who have been uh, ingrained or, or these ideas and notions have been ingrained in their heads. And they don't. This is how they honestly and sincerely um, see the world. So when you look at the woke ratings of the Corporate Equality Index, hold on to that for a second, because Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, 
is one of the biggest believers and advocates for um, investing in companies that are trying to make. I'm, 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 I'm being, I'm giving a generalized statement here that are trying to make the world a better place. Now, now I have an opinion of how to make the world a better place. I would imagine you've got uh, an opinion of how the, how to make the world a better place. But the the human rights campaign has a hundred point corporate equality index that they believe if businesses abide by and we offer inclusiveness as a primary uh, ingredient, the world would become naturally and organically a better place. Workforce prote- uh, protections, no discrimination for employment, for sexual orientation or gender identity. That there's five points possible that you receive if you meet that criteria. Inclusive benefits, 50 points possible. Criteria here includes providing health care for sex, sex couples. When, when I read that on same-sex couples, no, sex-sex couples. No idea what, I don't, have a, I don't know what the hell that means. Um, supporting an inclusive culture, 25 points possible, including gender-neutral dress codes and trans-inclusive restroom facility pro- policies. So if your company that, that you know promotes, advocates, celebrates gender neutrality in the way people come to work, their dress attire, um, I guess men wearing mini skirts and and, and women wearing, uh, give me a, uh, women wearing dungarees, Carhartt dungarees, I guess is how you score off the chart. Trans-inclusive restroom facilities policy. Um, if you're a dude, uh, you don't have your, your, your gender-specific restroom any longer. Not if the corporate equality index is abided by the human rights campaign um, get their way. Corporate social responsibility. There are 20 points possible when it comes to that marketing or advertising to LGBTQ consumers. That would include a Bud Light. That would include the use of the transgender spokesperson, um, Dylan Mulvaney. Responsible citizenship. Um, You get points deducted if a company gives money to organizations whose primary mission includes advocacy against LGBTQ. Um, It's not defined and limited to, but it would obviously include a lot of Christian groups that you know have a biblical worldview, one man, one woman. Um, uh, it, but but th- there there's deductions that happen along the lines. The main categories and and the objectives are to support an inclusive culture and and uh and make sure that corporations are abiding by the the, the social responsibility code and being a good responsible corporate citizen. In essence, um, that's the nature. So so Bud Light um, hires a, a female. She is their, um, I don't know the particular and specific title, but she's the marketing uh, person in charge of the, the rebranding uh, of, ironically, the, the most popular beer in the world. I think Bud Light is the market leader. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's sometimes uh, yeah, it's something you can pay close attention to. But, um, but I mean, it, we, we got a lot, of, a lot of fancy words here that I don't know what they mean. Um, integration of intersectionality and professional development skill-based or other training a supplier diversity program with demonstrated effort to include certified LGBTQ plus suppliers and and supporters. Um, so the New York Post has done a pretty good job of uh, of accounting for why Budweiser and Bud Light Anheuser Busch, its parent company InBev, why they decided to allow a a transgender spokesperson to endorse and and advocate on behalf of their brand. Now, I want to go, I want to, I want to kind of take a different tact and strategy and angle. And we've, we've discussed this briefly and, and it's, it's kind of a, um, it would be, 
I don't want to say it's a conspiracy theory of all conspiracy theories, but, but it, it's absolutely a conspiracy theory. And I believe that society today, uh, because our toy and tinkered around with liberalism and, and socialism and government control, uh, more and more of our economy, more and more sectors of our economy, uh, a larger share of the American population are very comfortable with government commandeering, you know, more control, um, m- more influence, having uh, more to say about how businesses behave. Uh, you know, th- this is not the government. I mean, the, the human rights group is not the government per se, but but it's heavily involved in some of the corporations, some of the government agencies. Uh, Barack Obama and some of his alumni and acolytes are very involved in some of the CEI scores, uh, s- some of the um, some of the vetting of who is doing a good job. What we've all I said we've always that's pretty weird. We, we've not always, but but recently we were introduced to the ESG, the Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance Ethical Investing. I guess would be the way um, they would defend this. There's a movement. Um, some of the um, some of the biggest investment firms in America today are, are looking at you know investment opportunities, and as they look at these investment opportunities, they're trying to decide how committed these companies are to ESG. How committed these companies are to to CEI, that being the Corporate Equality Index, and I mean all most people want is a beer, and and when you go to the VFW, when you go to the racetrack, when you go to the ball field, when you go to the to the country music concert, I doubt very seriously you bump into many people who are um, as enthusiastic that Dylan Mulvaney is a spokesperson for Bud Light as it appears uh, the person responsible for making that decision and at Heiser Bush. I have defended the beer distributorships. I have defended the truck drivers. I've defended the convenience store managers. I got to believe, no, I don't have to believe this. I know for a fact that the majority of these people are as angry and, and frustrated and bothered by the corporate decision as you and I are, but they're not real understanding n- nor sympathetic to what corporate America is doing to, to garner, I don't know, more, more favor from some of the media, more favor from some of the academics, more favor uh, from some of the uh, some of the governmental agencies that regulate and uh, and they have to interact with on a day to day basis. We mentioned Larry Fink a few moments ago. BlackRock, without question, is one of the um, one of the leading advocates for uh, Larry Fink. Is um, I mean, I think they've got what nine trillion. I'm gonna imagine nine trillion dollars or nearly nine trillion dollars of assets under management. I mean, he's been referred to as the face of ESG, um, very, very, very supportive of the umbrella movement that includes um, some of the ESG, so some of the um, some of the HRC, some of the some of the CEI. I mean, it's 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 a lot more than just selling beer today in America. It's it's and once again, I believe that the guy who owns the beer distributorship in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, is probably as pissed off as you are that InBev decided to go this route. But but I don't know that we understand, Rev, how complicated these matters have become. Um, we, we talked about BlackRock a second ago. Vanguard would be another company. Fidelity, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, the likely suspects. But BlackRock and Vanguard have been the two financial firms that, that have been most aggressive in convincing businesses that some of this, um, the social consciousness of the company is as important, and it will be rewarded in the marketplace. In other words, Larry Fink at BlackRock appears to believe. I don't know. Never spoken to Larry Fink. Um, we don't. We don't run in the same circles. But Larry Fink of BlackRock um, apparently believes that 
that if Bud Light decides to offend 70% of the country music fans, 70% of the NASCAR fans, 70% of the college athletic fans, 70% of the pro sports fan, that that they'll gain a certain um, a, a certain social consciousness about them that others will reward them in the marketplace by buying the beer that it seems to be more open-minded, more, more inclusive, more about equality than anybody else. And and I and, and here's where it gets a little bit weird. Here's where I get really wrapped up in this conspiracy theory. So if you've got Larry Fink and you've got, you know, I, I guess some folks in management at, at um, in InBev believing they're making a good decision because they've not retracted. I mean, they, they've not said, wow, we made a terrible mistake. How can we right that wrong? How can we back get back at the good graces of the country music fans, of the NASCAR fans, of the uh, of the sports fans? Um, no, you've not heard any of that. In, in fact, there's a um, there's an interview out there with, with the um, once again the lady who's responsible for marketing and, and revitalizing the brand that is Bud Light that says you know Bud Light became kind of a fratty brand. Now, now once again, I'm not talking about the person who owns the beer distributorship at Myrtle Beach. I'm not talking about the guy that leaves his house at 6 o'clock in the morning to deliver beer to Walmart or beer to Target or beer to convenience stores. Those guys and ladies are as pissed off as you are, and they should be because they understand their consumer, and they don't believe for a second that their consumer is going to stand idly by and allow the brand that they uh, have affinity for and affection toward to, to go down this road of, um, of Larry Fink and, uh, and uh, BlackRock and Vanguard and some of these other institutional firms who have enormous influence both in the economy and in the world of politics. And this goes back to, to, to kind of culture and, and politics. You know, the, um, the politics of America run downstream from its culture. And, and Larry Fink at BlackRock and some people at NBEA, for whatever reason, are deciding that they'll risk their prominence in the marketplace to make sure we know that there's a social consciousness about that country that will place inclusiveness and, 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 and equality and, uh, you know, the environment, some of these scores. We, we talk about wokeism and political um, correctism. Well, they're putting their money where their mouth is, and here's why I believe they think they can get away with it. We, we've done several bits on the radio show about America being in decline, and, and, and one of the reasons I think America's in decline is because we've adopted, adapted measures and the mindset of a nation that is not standing on the, the, the core principles that led it to greatness. Now, now, we could be greater than ever. I could be wrong. I mean, I've been wrong a lot in my life. And, and if we go down the road of, of accumulating more debt, of allowing a, a more secular presence in, in some of our, our, our body politic, in other words, if we take, I'm not talking about Christianity. I mean, last week was Easter. Forget that for a second. This is far less about Christianity. This is about, you know, faith and, and spirituality and secularism. And I think there's a mindset in America today that, that if we can replace some of the, um, some of the faith-based mindset in our policymaking with, with equality and inclusion, and I'm not trying to be judgmental about sin. I'm not saying, hey, you, you better watch that kind of behavior because it's sinful. I mean, I certainly have an opinion toward uh, some of the um, – some of the perversion that we're allowing ourselves, or, or America is allowing itself to have mainstreamed. So, so here's the point, and here's what I think we need to really pay close attention to. Those of us who believe in traditional marriage, those of us that believe 
life begins at conception. Those of us who believe that gender dysphoria is a mental illness, those of us that believe there are only two genders, those of us who believe if you're born with a penis, you're a male, if you're born with a vagina, you're a female, those of us who believe in, in those tried and truisms of, of, of not generations, I'm talking about eons. I mean, really and truly, these are some of the pillars of society and what we have foundationally built our society upon. But we, we've gotten to a place now, where this goes back to the cathedral, we, we've gotten to a place now that a Larry Fink at BlackRock and somebody in InBev believes that they can adhere to some of the principles and values of the LGBTQ community and, and woke America and extreme leftist and liberal America because, because that's where the re- revolutionaries are. It's kind of interesting. If Woodstock were held today, would there be more Trump voters or Biden voters there? And and the, one 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 of the and this is not a conspiracy theory. It, it's something that I, I I you know I struggle to get out of my mind. It's in my head as clear as a bell. I mean I, I can see it. I just can't say it. But how many of you believe? I mean if if you believe that marriage is a man and a woman, and I'm not offended by by gay marriage. I mean I think it's unbiblical. I have a biblical worldview. But, I, I mean, I'm kind of a live-and-let-live guy. And if two dudes want to get married and call it married, but the, the you know, Supreme Court has decided that's legal, that's law of the land. We're a nation of law, so it doesn't really make a rat's ass what Ken thinks in regards um, to that. But, but I've never believed that in the nation I grew up in and love and, and, and am de- hopelessly devoted to, that the, the people that believe some of the normalcies of society would, would have to convince themselves that they are now the counter-revolutionaries. I mean, we're the counter-culturalists. What we're dealing with, the reason that we're, that, that is, the reason it's risky to say you believe there are two genders, and I'm talking about in corporate America, I'm certainly talking about in academia, I'm talking about in the media, I'm talking about in, uh, in the body politic. I mean, it, it's, it's a little bit risky for, for some people to say, hey, I think there are two genders. I mean, that's as normal a statement as you could ever imagine. But the gender revolutionaries, the diversity, equality, or equity and inclusiveness revolutionaries have, the, the green revolutionary, there'd be another example. I mean, how many people are willing? I mean, how many prominent people in America today are willing to say, we're not going to get off fossil fuel uh, produced power? I mean, there's no way we can do that. It'll take us a generation to do that. Well, your score goes down. And BlackRock doesn't invest. And Wall Street doesn't reward. And the body politic doesn't advance an agenda inclusive of your notions and your ideas. And, and I, it, it's not old-fashioned. It's not fuddy-duddy. It's not about, you know, um, should we sell booze on Sunday or not? This is much deeper than that. I mean, this is a macro that is happening in America today. And, and if you are someone who does not believe in the new ways of wokeism and, and, and gender revolutionaries and, and uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusive inclusion revolutionaries, the green revolution, the green revolutionaries. Um, you know, you, you can say they're trying. I think we had a debate, uh, Dave, this morning where you said that um, they're trying to convince us that this is the way things need to be. And mm-hmm. I responded by saying, no, they've convinced us. Too late that this is the way things are to be. I mean, think about it. Did you ever imagine that Bud Light would hire a, a, a man who dresses like a little girl and speaks in the name of, you know, um, 
the human rights campaign agenda where companies are rewarded for inclusiveness and equality and diversity, not, not in race, not, not in gender, not, not in faith or not. How many, how many Jews, how many Christians, how many Hindus, how many Buddhists? No, we're talking about how many people do you have in your organization who don't know what gender they are? I mean, how many people in your, you got 175 people in your organization as employees. Did you know you've only got four that are gender neutral? I mean, it's bizarre, but but once again, the gender revolutionaries, the the DEI revolutionaries, and I'm not talking about Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, the green revolutionaries are not trying to change the debate. They successfully change the debate. And and you would ask yourself, or I think we should all ask ourselves, well, how in God's name have we gotten there? I mean, how in the world have we gotten to a place where um, it's perfectly normal or, or abnormal to suggest that if someone says there are two genders, you kind of kick them to the curb. He, he's um he's a pro, he probably comes from Wyoming. I mean, I'm sure he voted for Trump. I mean, he, he probably drives a you know a GMC pickup. He's one of those guys. He probably believes in the Second Amendment. And and, and the only way we get back to some sense of normal, I think personally is to become revolutionaries. We're going to have to be the counterculturalist. We're going to have to be the crowd that smoked dope at Woodstock, that had sex on the hood of Volkswagens at Woodstock, that didn't wear our clothes for four or five, five days. I'm not saying dance naked in the mud. I'm not saying invite John Fogarty to sing, uh, you know, who's going to stop the rain. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not offering. I'm just saying historically we've looked at ourselves not as the revolutionaries, but those who stood in the way of the revolutionary counter-culturalist. Counter, um, and, and if you're really honest with yourself today, our way of thinking is abnormal. And the reason our way of thinking is abnormal is the cathedral has moved as one. And um, the leftists dominate academia. The leftists dominate the media. The leftists dominate, by and large, the administrative agencies within our federal government. If you don't believe me, look at the voting stats in Washington, D.C. I mean, Trump gets beat in Washington, what, 90 to 10 percent. The next Republican will get beat probably 80 to 20 percent. It's a monolith. And the monolith has decided, and I don't know if it's about Larry Fink's money at BlackRock. I don't know what motivates somebody at InBev to hire this lady and once she does what she does to not say, hey, ma'am, you need to apologize for that because you're pissing off beer drinkers. I mean, we're in the business to sell beer, and you're teeing off a lot of beer drinkers, but but they're doubling and tripling down because they don't believe we have it in us to be their counterculturalist that is going to be required to stand against some of the onslaught. Not of, and I'm not talking about traditional American values. I'm talking about normalcy. I mean, it, uh, two genders is not a traditional American value. Two genders is normal. I mean, having an abortion... At, at, at six weeks, or excuse me, at at um at 18 weeks is not normal. Having an abortion the day before someone delivers that baby is not normal. It is very abnormal for a nation to allow women to have an abortion in the third trimester. It's very abnormal to allow an eight-year-old to enter into a medical contract to have a sex change operation. There ain't a damn thing normal about that. Nothing at all. But the counterculturalists and the revolutionaries of the last 30 years have just whooped our ass in what is normal and what is to be perceived as normal. 
So when one of the iconic beer brands, I know this is a story, zero sugar, when one of the iconic beer brands thinks it's smart to basically put on the back burner country music, put on the back burner sports and entertainment, put on the back burner, you know, the 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 four guys on a fishing trip in in the co- off the coast of South Carolina. I mean, they've decided that the Fink's on their team, the government's on their team, the media. So why not go along with that? It's far more advantageous to to kind of you know, I mean, follow the path of least resistance. And and we've got to convince ourselves, you, I, and I don't want to say conservative America. That's so cliche. And, and, and so lame. I mean, it really is. The hell's conservative America? I mean, I've heard that for 40 years. Conservative America needs to stand tall. You know, um, the, the principled conservative needs to stand tall. No, no. It's not time to stand tall. It's time to, to engage in, in a most revolutionary and counterculturalist way to try and turn the tide. And, and we've done shows on American Decline. I've done bits and pieces on America in Decline. I'm not saying America's in decline because of one reason. I'm not saying America's in decline because we've got $33 trillion of debt. We do. I think we're declined. I don't, I'm not saying America's in decline because we can't make our mind up when a woman can have an abortion or not. Um, can two men get married? Two, can two women get married? As unreasonable as they sound, they're far less reasonable than we have um, X number of sexes. And we're allowing eight-year-olds to enter into medical contracts. And not only are we doing that, not only are, are we normalizing gender dysphoria, gender neutrality, uh, gender fluidity, not only are we normalizing that, corporate America is being rewarded by the government for standing alongside some of those unprincipled um, stances. And, and, and once again, traditional conservative America, I hear that more than I care to mention. Traditional conservative America has been gutless by and large. And that's why we're at a place. Where, where some of these social issues are off the train. And I said it three times. I'll say it the fourth time before we conclude. Uh, American politics runs downstream from American culture. And the culture of our country today, the moral compass of our nation has decided it's okay for an eight-year-old to enter into a medical contract to have their sex changed without their parent knowing, without their parent guarding. That's American culture. I mean, that's where we are. I mean, there's about 26 states in America today that have blessed that endeavor. And now we, we, we've got a beer company, and this is where the rubber hits the road. I mean, a lot of us, on, I don't know what happens at Stanford. I don't know what happens at, at Brown. I don't know what happens at Harvard. I don't know what they do at Yale. I mean, UCAL Berkeley's crazy. This is Bud Light. I mean, this is the company that has sold one of the most iconic brands of beer in our nation's history, and they just made a calculus. They just rolled the dice and said, hey, we're going with BlackRock. We're going with Larry Fink. We're going with Dylan Mulvaney. Because we don't believe our consumers, we don't believe our customers are the counter-revolutionaries required to get the train back on the track. Now, I want to say it em- em- emphatically clear. The people that run the beer distributorships that I've personally spoken with are as pedo as all, p- uh, as pissed off as you are. I try to clean it up. See what happens when you, <laughs> when you try to act Baptist. That They are as pissed off as you are. And, and they don't know what to do. I mean, they believe it's going to hurt their market share. You, you, got, a, you got a beer salesman. You got a truck driver. You got a convenience store owner. They're at the mercy of people like Larry Fink at BlackRock, like the, the, the corporate board at Anheuser-Busch, 
um, the body politic, George Soros, Barack Obama, who have gradually and in the most revolutionary way imaginable changed our notions on gender, changed our notions on diversity, changed our notions on energy, changed our notions on monetary policy. The acronyms sound harmless, HRC. I mean, who's not for human rights, correct? I mean, why wouldn't you sign up for human rights campaign? Well, let me go read what the human rights campaign is all about. And one of the subsets within is corporate equality index. And that is, you know, I mean, obviously it's about making money, but it's more about are we being um, socially aware and socially conscious? And they've decided, once again, as a cathedral, that, that America is better served if, you know, people, if less country music fans are drinking uh, Bud Light and more people who endorse gender dysphoria are. Gender dysphoria is a mental illness. It needs to be, um, it needs to be diagnosed as a mental illness. So, so one of the iconic brands, one of the iconic corporations in America today have decided that it's in their best interest to find someone who is, are you ready, mentally ill to be their um, chief influencer in the social media. And, and Anheuser-Busch Bush is not the only company. I think Nike has done some of this, um, so, some of the other bigger and established companies. I don't have any idea how beholden they are to BlackRock, how beholden they are to Vanguard, how beholden they are out of the federal government. There's, there's a fairly consistent sentiment amongst corporate America, uh, BlackRock, Vanguard, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, that, um, that you know, going woke and going broke is a thing of the past because, once again, uh, the, the, the revolutionaries and the counterculturists that, that the, the, the folks on the right will have to become if, indeed, they are to turn the tide. And I, and I hesitate to use the word traditional America. I'll use it the, the normal and the abnormal. It's normal for someone to say there are two genders. It's completely and totally abnormal for someone to say there is not. But it's a lot more liberating in America today to say, um, you know, there are more than two genders. That there's, a, there's kind of a reward out there. I mean, there. There's a sense of gratification that you gain by saying, hey, I'm open-minded, woke, and politically correct enough to say that despite the, um, the, the centuries and eons of biological data, you know, they were wrong. And here we are. Um, today. So, so once again, um, it's not just about, a, I wish I had a Bud Light. It's not just about a can of beer. I mean, when you, when you say I'm not drinking Bud Light again, I don't know that that's the answer. I mean, I honestly don't. I think you're taking it out on, um, on people that don't have much control over some of the, um, some of the decisions made. It'll be very interesting to watch some of the, um, ah, it'll be very interesting to watch some of those who've made a living off the brand Bud Light off the brand Budweiser, and I'm talking about distributorships and truck drivers and delivery men and women, salesmen and women, convenience store owners. It will be interesting to watch how they respond to people on their team. And I'm talking about, you know, Anheuser-Busch or InBev um, corporate management. I'd love to have Larry Fink from BlackRock join us and him explain to to me why he believes it's in the nation's best interest to – um to bless this umbrella movement and, um, and, and, and allow for, you know, uh, a small group of people with enormous power and influence over, over our economy to make the decisions that, you know, the truck driver, the distributor, the convenience store owner, the beer salesman have to abide by. I want to thank our sponsors. Carolina Bank serves communities throughout Northeastern South Carolina, offering a wide range of services to meet every personal or business need from straightforward accounts to complex finances. They're prepared to help you reach 
Your financial goals, Carolina Bank, banking on tradition since 1936. Member FDIC Schofields, Ace Hardware, your one-stop shop for all hardware, paint and lawn and garden needs, plus all things sporting goods, including firearms, safes, clothing, footwear, and more. Pepsi of Florence represent the entire product line of PepsiCo, one of the world's leading food and beverage companies, Pepsi of Florence, also serve brands from other great companies such as Dr. Pepper, Canada Dry, Lipton Tea, Gatorade, and various regional brands. Mickey Finn's largest South Carolina liquor wholesaler, serving every county in the state, largest bourbon selection statewide. They ship wines to 43 states, opening soon a new beverage warehouse across from Bucky's on I-95 in Florence. They support USC athletics, including Williams Bryce and Colonial Life Arena. Marlboro Pete Electric Co-op. If you're in big business and looking for an industrial park in the south to build your new plant, consider Marlboro Pete Electric Co-op's new PD Commerce Center, uh, an industrial park located at the I-95 exit in Florence, South Carolina. Check it out at mpdcoop or pdec.com. <laughs> 